Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. This may be wrong, but I feel like it's been a while since I've had a 9 a.m. Mass, so hello to the 9 a.m. Mass crowd, and especially you who live stream at home. It's good to see you. I haven't left. I'm still here. All right, we're still doing just fine. Well, my favorite season of the church year is Advent. Uh, it's, it wasn't always that way, but over the last like probably four or five years, I've just grown to appreciate it so much. And every year when the church wants us to celebrate a big event, a transformative event, an event that can really change our hearts to find more and more what we're hoping for and seeking, making life richer and more beautiful, it's always precipitated or anticipated by another season. So Easter... Right? Meant to bring new hope and glory and transform our minds. Lent prepares us for it. Christmas, meant to bring us the consolation and mercy of God. It's anticipated by Advent. So we can say that the kind of Christmas you're going to have this year is more dependent on the kind of Advent you have than actually Christmas Day. And so the church, being around for 2,000 years, has a little wisdom. She's been around dealing with humanity in all shapes and sizes, and she knows we need time to get ready. And she gives us these seasons to enter in, to kind of dust off, or to use Jesus' words, to kind of wake up, not fall asleep and say, yeah, what are we doing here? What's going on? And so I just want to unpack Advent, being the first Sunday of Advent, a new year. I want to spend some time helping us receive the gift of Advent and then respond to it by entering more deeply. So Advent is a Latin word which is used to pronounce the coming of something of prominence. Right? So a new season. Right? So at the end of winter, we could say the advent of spring is here. Spring is coming. Or if you were in the medieval times and you lived in a town and village and the king was going to visit, it'd be the advent of that king. It's the announcing of the coming of someone of importance. And the reason this is so important for us is that we can't control what is coming. Right? You can wake up early. You can do whatever you want. Spring's going to come when it comes. You don't get to manufacture when it comes. It's not within my control or yours. It doesn't originate in me or you. You're a villager in the medieval times. You don't get to write to the king or send a, a message to the king saying, I'd like you to come on Tuesday at noon. No, the king does what the king wants. All you can do is be ready when he shows up. And this is why while I love Advent, it's really hard. Advent puts us into a posture of waiting. Or maybe for the sake of today we can say, Advent enrolls us in the school of waiting. And what we're going to wait on is our God. But in the waiting process, a lot happens. But in order to realize why it's so hard, I need to let you know everyone here who's alive in America in the 21st century is already in another school. You're in the cultural school of efficiency. It's bred in us. It is, you are saturated with it. It's literally seeping off of your bodies. And mine, it's not like any of us are immune, immune to this. Efficiency is one of the greatest values of our culture. 
And we can look at technological progress to show why we praise it so much. All right, so here we go. I came up with a few of these this week. Some of you are, will remember that the only way to, com- to communicate to someone was to handwrite a letter. Right? We would actually write letters out to people just saying, how are you? Haven't talked to you in a while. It wasn't just thank you notes, believe it or not. We actually just used to write to one another just to check in. And then we'd lick it and mail it. And in a day or a week or so, people would get this. Well, then there became email, right? And in case you're too young to realize the word E means electronic, right? Email came and it sped the whole thing up. From the desire to communicate and having that desire fulfilled, the time was a lot shorter now. From email, we went to text message, and text message went to Snapchat. Right? What changed this technology was largely efficiency. I can communicate effectively and quickly using these new means. Once again, it's a value. It's not evil. It's not something we should avoid. It's not like we should all stop doing text messaging or emailing. Not at all. Right? But we need to start noticing that efficiency is training the way we communicate. What's another one? How about TV? Right? I'm barely old enough to remember this. No offense to anyone who remembers it very well. But I do remember TVs that had knobs and antennas. Right? If people, young people, could see how ridiculous we look trying to get antennas in the air and where they would be pointing. But it began with maybe one or two stations. That was it. And you know what you had to do if you didn't like it? You either had to wait for the next show to come on, go to one other station, or just not watch TV. The things you didn't like, you had to suffer and deal with. Or when a commercial came on, what did you do? That was the prime time to run to the bathroom, or to go clean up the kitchen real fast, or to grab a snack. You knew you had about three to four minutes, and you ran around your house like crazy people trying to get it done so you didn't miss your show. We had to suffer the things we didn't like in order to get to the things we did. TV, all right, eventually got more channels, so you could just flip from channel to channel so you don't have to deal with the uncomfortableness of commercials. Then we got TiVo for a hot second. That came and went pretty fast. But we had TiVo where you could record a show and then go back and watch it and fast forward through the commercials. And now we have binge watching on Netflix where you don't even have to wait for the following week for your episode to come on or another year. You can just download the whole show when it's up there and you can binge watch for a whole weekend what would have taken you several years just five years ago right? Efficiency, once again. Now, like I said, it's not bad, but it's also dangerous. When we're so formed and trained and saturated in the school of efficiency, we miss out on what the church will tell us is the most human of experiences. When you're with friends on a great night out at dinner, or you're with family members, The wrong question is, how quickly can we get done with this and still call each other friends? Like, if you go out to dinner, you're like, can this list last 20 minutes and still be good friends? Can we just call it that? Efficiency destroys relationships. In fact, only in relationships do we look at our watches and say, I didn't even realize what time it was. I was having such a good time. 
Love, friendship, joy, meaning helps us to let go of the tyranny of efficiency and bask in the goodness of relationships. And how about love? While you may fall in love on the first date, I don't think many people here proposed on the first date. You realize love takes time. You need to give it time. You need to go through certain seasons for it to mature in your heart to the point where you can say, I want to give myself to you forever, no matter what. And so when we're in a weird time of COVID world, and we're beginning a new Advent season, there's some really sincere questions we have as a country, as a town, as a church, which is like, where's God? What's he saying? Why can't we hear him? I think one of the main reasons is because God isn't a text message. God isn't a binge-watching experience. God is not within our control. And efficiency is all about control. I want to fulfill my desires as quickly as I can. And so we grab the controller and do whatever we want to make life better on our terms. And yet when it comes to God, He's slowly and painfully tutoring us that waiting on Him is the only way to discover what it truly means to be human. We wait on God not because we're being punished, but because there's deep things within us that don't come to the surface while we keep numbing ourselves out within our own control. There's parts of your heart that are inaccessible even to you, apart from waiting and undergoing the uncomfortableness for these things to be revealed. And so in the school of waiting at Advent, two things are happening. The first one is meaningful revelation. Meaningful revelation means waiting is not meaningless, right? It's not like you're just like, oh, okay, what am I? I guess I just held my breath emotionally and spiritually for 10 minutes and then that was it. I waited. No, waiting is meant for you and I to confront the truth of our hearts. In your heart and mine, and mind you, I have a Roman collar on, is a lot of doubt. Is God real? Does he actually care what I'm going through? Does it matter what I do with my life? These doubts are not your kids or grandkids in college going through an atheism phase. These are in all of us. We're not immune to this. In fact, I quote it quite a bit, but the Catechism of the Catholic Church which is this beautiful large book of a collection of saints and theologians' writings on how to live our faith and what it means. It says in the fourth section on prayer that the biggest challenge in developing an intimacy of God in prayer is our lack of faith. And it's not like, just start believing. What it means is, in our hearts, there's these doubts. Lord, do you care that we're going through covid Do you care that my spouse or parents lost a job? Lord, how come I can't hear you? Are you even communicating with me? Am I the kind of person that can talk to God? 
And while I'm posing them as questions, more times than not, we've already answered them deep down inside. And when we wait, when we enter into this school of waiting, these things come to the surface and they're incredibly humbling to our egos and to our Christian clothing. What I mean is we paste on the Christian slogans when we meet other people, especially on Sundays, and we want everything's fine. God bless, oh, I'll pray for you. But inside, we're full of questions and doubts and scurrying around trying to figure out what is this life all about? Do you ever notice when you give God some prayer time, he doesn't show up in that time and we you get upset? Like, I'm going to go pray. All right, I'm going to read scripture, Advent, New Year. I'm going to be holy. All right, so I'm going to do five minutes or ten minutes every morning. I'm going to pray. And like he just doesn't seem to show up in that time. We're just left with our own thoughts. Do you think maybe it's because like God's not on our time frame, we're on his? That in that time he's meant to get us to a place of waiting and longing. And this is the second lesson. The first lesson was meaningful revelation. The second one is longing. St. Augustine who is a, is a doctor of the church, meaning his teachings are a sure guide. He's a saint. He's a bishop. He's a great conversion story, living kind of a wild life, trying other religions, and has this powerful conversion, writes a lot, preaches a lot. He was asked the question, like, how come God doesn't seem to answer our prayers? How come he doesn't seem to give us what we're looking for? This was St. Augustine's answer. Because his gifts are so big and our hearts are so small that he needs to stretch our hearts so we could receive the size of gifts he wants to give. This is what I mean. You and I pray to the God of the universe. He's the creator of the stars and he knows you by name and says, I'm your loving dad. And then this is how we respond to that power. Could you give me a little more patience with my husband? Could you help me be kinder to my kids? These aren't bad prayers, of course, because the alternative is us being really bad people, okay? These aren't bad. But the God of the universe, all the power in heaven and earth are in his hands, and we're asking for like Pez-sized prayers. It's like we're constantly going to the ATM and taking out the Fast 20, Meanwhile, you have a bank account of billions. Why don't we? Why don't we pray more boldly? Because there's desires in our heart that we know we can't fulfill and we don't know what to do with them. So at best, we numb them or pretend they're not there. We have longings for a world of total justice. We have desires for conversions for family members. We have hopes and dreams and aches and longings that the secret addictions that no one in your family knows about, you'd be set free from. We have deep desires that we know we can't do anything about and it humbles us and we don't know what to do with utter dependency because we're not good at being creatures. We're not good at being sons and daughters. We like to be in control as men and women of efficiency. And the gospel and the scriptures are constantly telling us, you're really small. Like God is not impressed with anything we do because we're so small. And he's always calling us 
Would you share your hearts with me? Would you let me know about the desire I put on your heart for these big longings? Would you wait in that desire so that your heart would expand so much that you can actually house the gift I want to give you, which is nothing other than the infinite divine life, love, and power of Jesus? And if you think I'm nuts, you can think that. Most of my family does. But here's the thing. At every Mass, you're not given bread. You're given the God of the universe to fill your hunger. He comes as food to satisfy the hungry heart, and we're numbed out on Twix and Snickers. We come to Mass numb and to clear our conscience. When we're meant to come here panting, hungering, and begging for food. We need love, meaning, truth, goodness, forgiveness, and mercy. And we're so afraid to have these desires because they make us feel small. We'll numb it anywhere. And so we go to that extra beer bottle. We go to those websites. We go shop more. Because we know it hurts and it's hard and it's really hard. But the alternative is live a life of meaningless and shallowness. And I don't want that for any of you. And so Jesus gives us the season of Advent to say, how will this year be different? Are you willing to dream? Are you willing to have dreams of marriages renewed? Or forgiveness of exes, finally? Are you willing to dream of what life could be like if you weren't so attached to that favorite sin? Are you willing to dream and long and beg God for the grace of a culture that's not so divided? Have you gotten so used to masks that you don't even care anymore? Are we alive? Or is Jesus saying, are we asleep? This is what Advent is offering us. The nice thing is, God loves us so much, he'll never force us. He asks you, what kind of Advent do you want? Because on his end, the whole buffet is open. He's given us everything. He says, what do you need? And all he's asking is, would you wait in trust? Do you believe that I'm a good dad who wants to give you great things? And if you don't, would you at least tell me you don't so that we can talk about it? So we're going to take a few moments of silence. I'm going to invite you just to share with the Lord, like what kind of Christmas do you want this year? And dream big. Because that's where we're going, and this next four weeks is going to get us there. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.